BJ Council. I view the world through the lens of having been followed by a white clerk as a child while shopping in a five and dime. I'm a retired police executive and own UN50, which gives guidance on surviving interactions with police. I'm Harmony Chavis, and I view the world through the lens of one of the most misunderstood and diverse generations in our nation's history. I'm a social worker and a believer of radical kindness and love as modalities of healing. My name is Andrew Council. I view the world through the lens of a generational camera phone. I wake up as a black male and go to bed as a black male. I am surviving this never-ending court case we commonly call life in the best way I know how. Welcome back, folks. This is show number two. Uh, And I'm probably not going to count all the shows, but just because we didn't get started until um, it got way into the new year, because we're not doing as many. I think I mentioned that. Those of you may have listened to our first one. So thanks for coming back and joining us. For those of you that are here for the first first time, my name is BJ, and this is UN50. It's uh, what this organization does primarily is talk to black and brown folks on how to safely interact with law enforcement to get home safely. Um, And we've been doing this since 2015. And uh, so we, we, we bring guests on and talk about anything not necessarily pertaining to law enforcement, but it has a little bit of flavor to it. Uh, But just to keep our minds open that policing is a little bit more than just police, it's other things. And we do this in the the Bull City. We're out of Durham, North Carolina. So uh, glad you're here. We have Sam Peterson here with us tonight. He is with the Durham Crisis Response Center and he will tell you a little bit more about what he does for Durham uh, Crisis Response Center, who I love. For those of you that may have uh, listened earlier, uh, we had Latoya who is uh, works there with the homeless shelter. She was on last year. And actually her show has gotten the most listeners that we have had for uh, podcasts. Her show has got a lot of, a lot of folks listening to it. So I'm pretty sure Sam's going to rank right up there with her. So before we get started, uh, my co-host, uh, and you know what, Harmony, I'm going to let you, it's you. What's, what's going Every on? Every time, what is going on? Every time it's like, I freeze up, like what is going on? Like what, what am I doing with my life? Turns out not a whole bunch. I am just doing my best. And I think that that's, that's been my motto, um, for 22, 2022, just doing my best. And, um, I have resigned myself to being okay with doing my best, even if it's not the best. So maybe that'll resonate with somebody. It will. It resonates with me. And just a little bit, I had, I had to help Harmony out with something the other day and she, (laughs) she was so nice. I mean, I went to help her out and then I'm, and I look at my phone and she sent me $20 on the Apple thing. Right. And, it's probably going to stay there because I don't know how to get the twenty dollars off. I'm like, what? Do I do? Apple, I'm gonna, Apple thing with Apple thing. I know what it is, but it's yeah. Apple Pay. Right. It's Apple Pay, and I'm like, I'm a boomer, so I got a feeling that that twenty dollars is going to stay there. So the next time you see me, you have to figure out how to spend the twenty dollars that you sent me because I'm like, I don't know how to do this. Oh my god! But thank you. I just wanted to put that out there. So well, no, thank you. Let me tell people why you came, which is ironic. So always say that you're old. And the running joke is that like we're the millennials. I actually had to go to the audiologist because I I swore that I could not hear. Everybody around me was like, dude, this is getting really annoying. Like, are you sure you can't hear? Or are you just being are you just being difficult? So I needed somebody that could come in the middle of the day to assist with the um the hearing test. And BJ's the only body, only person I know that's not working during the day. And I was like, you know what? She's really gonna kick, get a kick out of this. Like 
you're going with me to an audiologist appointment for my hearing. <laughs> Thankfully, all is well. Turns out I just need to, I guess, pay attention harder when people are talking. But I just thought that was kind of ironic. It was. <laughs> Andrew, how you doing, my man? Doing very well. Um, I usually say it. I'm still working on adulting. There's two things I want to say before I, I guess, I go into the um, but I think adulting doesn't really end, of course. So I feel like I'll still be 80 years old, still learning how to manage and balance being an adult. Um, and I also wanted to mention um, a small gem before we start. I think I've always been balancing or trying to figure out, um, I guess, like a work-life balance and understanding the true definition of productivity. Um, so I get my gym at the beginning instead of the end today. Um, but just wanted to say um, that it's okay not to be productive or define productivity for yourself and to understand that rest is also productive because you need it to do the rest of your work. And so that's what's something I've been balancing as of right now. Wow. I like that. You're absolutely right. We yeah, got to take care. Self-care is, is important. Got to take care of that. Yeah. And rest is productive. You're absolutely right. Thank you for that, Jim. I really appreciate that. Ah, oh, Sam Peterson. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, again, DCRC, Durham Crisis Response Center, and this organization here in Durham, who um, is the organization that handles sexual assault and domestic violence. Um, yes. And he participates in that in educating youth. So I'm not going to even try to describe what he does. I'm going to first let him introduce himself and uh, talk about his position and what he does, and then we'll, 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 we'll go from there. Thanks again, Sam, for joining us. Thanks, BJ. I really appreciate being asked. Um, hi, Andrew. Hi, Harmony. Good to see everybody tonight. I'm Sam Peterson, and I work with the Durham Crisis Response Center as their rape prevention and uh, education coordinator. So what I do is teach rape prevention, which means it can look like going into schools like uh, middle schools and high schools, where I teach a curriculum called Safe Dates and uh, Shifting Boundaries, which is are about um, identifying cues to uh, unhealthy relationships and learning how to prevent them. So, you know, equipping kids with skills to be able to, like, sit in their anger, um, identify uh, toxic relationships, things of that nature. Uh, and then I, you know, I go, go to universities or bar outreach or wherever, wherever people will have me so I can talk about this <laughs> incredibly important um, issue because it's it's one of those things that people think is over there, you know, it happens to other people, right. but it, it's really common. It is so unbelievably common. And uh, yeah, so I was delighted when you, you um, contacted me, BJ. Yeah. Can you kind of, when you say it, it's people think it's over there and you're in middle school and high school talking about that. Um, mm -hmm. So kind of give us a little, I mean, I don't want to eyes to glaze over the data, but just kind of give us as to what that, that looks like and what, and again, why you? Why do you do? Is this your background? I mean, did you, did you do this before you got to DCRC, or I mean, how did how did your life journey have get you to this spot? I was actually doing um, fundraising for a gay rights lobby in Texas, and I really didn't want to be involved in politics, but I got all fired up, <laughs> and that <laughs> and that as one does, especially in you know states like Texas or North Carolina, where you know things can be an uphill climb sometimes. Um, 
So that that just got a fire under me. And ever since then, I've been working for nonprofits. Um, Before uh, DCRC, I was with Shift NC, which is Sexual Health Initiatives for Teens. So they go into schools and other places, a foster care judicial system, and teach young people sex ed. Wow. And how long have you been doing this? Oh, well, total. Yeah. Well, how long you been with DCRC? But then as far as you doing this kind of work, how long have you been doing this specifically? Well, I'm about 100. So I've been doing (laughs) I've been doing, (laughs) you know, this kind of uh, justice work or whatever you want to call it. I've been fighting for uh, a long time, for probably 20, 30 years um, doing various things. But uh, just about a year and a half at DCRC, I guess, oh, wow. working on my second year. Yeah, yeah. It's new to me, but it's not in a way. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it feels very familiar. It's about oppression. It's about poverty. It's about race, you know. So it's all in alignment with all the work that I've been doing up till now. Wow, wow. And so I want folks to understand that i mean it's like well how does this relate to because i like i said we always try to tie in obviously the, the line of law enforcement and the work that i do and i think the thing that you talked about that people just sit with their anger i kind of want mm-hmm. you to talk about that you know what does that look like when you're talking to youth to be able to, to do that one of the things that um for me in law enforcement is the work that you're doing is so critical um obviously rape but also the fact that people learning how to communicate and mm-hmm. uh, the, the violence that goes with that would lead to domestic violence and those types of things. And for me, it's about how do we teach, do the work that what you're doing means they don't have to call the popo. Yes. If, right. If they, know, if they know how to communicate, they know how to sit with their anger and process that. So that's kind of what this for me is, is just you're doing work that could eliminate people having the need to call 911. Right. Like another another layer of potential violence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately. Yeah. So, um, you know, what I the first thing that I like to teach people or or kids is how to identify um, what is a toxic relationship, Um, you know, and, and there's a just a need for power, you know, which is so strange to me it's just not the way that i think or move in the world you know um mm-hmm. but it's uh so you know what constitutes abuse um it's any kind of behavior whether done in person or by technology like cell phones or the social media or whatever that's used to manipulate to gain control to gain power over somebody Uh, to make a person feel bad about themselves or other people who are close to them, or to make a person afraid of their partner. And that's what constitutes abuse. So we, you know, we teach them how to kind of identify cues and relationships to see those, those points. And, and then um, I like to teach them how to identify uh, symptoms of anger, signals of anger. So listen to their body. Like we go over a whole checklist of what's happening in your body to let you know that you're angry. A lot of times we don't know we're angry, Uh you know? And there's this narrative too that people have of, of, I was so angry, I couldn't help myself. 
And a lot of abusers will say that. I just couldn't help myself. But the deal is you can always help yourself. You do not have to act out in anger. It is a choice. It is absolutely a choice. So what um, I like to do is, and I think this is really important, is recognizing that between the anger and the action, you have a few seconds to make a different decision. And that means you've got to have some coping mechanisms. You've got to have some calming skills. And what those can look like, um, what I teach the kids are like breathing, you know, simple, like, you know, taking 10 deep breaths, uh, leaving, leave the room, you know? Yeah, that's always that's a, that's legitimate, you know. Yeah. Leave the room, um, you know. Explain that you're too angry to speak right now, and you 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 just need a little space and time. And and then you know, I ask them what are some of their calming skills. Like it might be listening to music, um, going for a walk, or biking, or you know, boxing, or whatever it is, to give them an arsenal uh, of of modalities or, or things that they can rely on before they act out in anger. It's just real easy for all of us to do. We've all been taught that anger is overwhelming and that anger is powerful and we have no control over it, but it takes practice, but it's really important to learn that you, you don't have to act out. You don't. I, I've got some more stuff for him. So I want to give my co-host time if, uh, in case you want to, because I, I, I have a comment about that anger part, but go ahead. Anybody want to jump in? I was just going to say, this is, I think talking about emotional regulation plays into what I talk about all the time when we're talking about, you know, communicating with people and also being able to calm yourself enough when you've been disrespected to keep yourself safe. I think that a lot of folks think that, emotional regulation means not reacting to anything. And that's not necessarily what it means to emotionally, emotionally regulate. Um, and that's something that I'm learning all the time as a survivor of trauma, really learning how to be in my body and read what my body is telling me and then learning how to navigate it without necessarily responding out of that emotion is difficult for me, a person that's actively in therapy and doing the work. I can only imagine what it feels like to a teenager or a middle schooler that's never even been given the language to match the things that they feel. So I'm so excited to hear that you're doing the work and also not going along with this toxic positivity movement that I feel like is going on right now where we <laughs> don't talk about our feelings. We can't be angry. We can't be pissed. Like for so many people, I bet it is just so incredible and also empowering to know like, oh my God, there's an adult who's telling me that I can be angry and I can feel my feelings and I don't have to deny what I'm feeling, but I can control my actions. So I think it's really important work. Yeah. And you know, you bring up trauma, uh, which I can connect with personally. I'm, I, I'm in EMDR right now, um, which is a trauma related treatment. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm right in the thick of it with you. So I understand. Okay. okay. Awesome. <laughs> we're, we're kin in that. Um, yeah. And, but a lot of these kids as young as they are, they've already experienced trauma. They already, they're, they're leaving their bodies. They're dissociating. They, you know, they don't have the language. They're, they're hormonally um, active and reactive. It's tough. So I just, my heart goes out for these kids. What I'm trying to do is, Give them an option other than hitting somebody, you know, like it's really so simple. Um, 
give them some other option and make it and make it clear that that is not okay. We teach a lot about consent, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I think that consent being violated as far as people being touched by police and, you know, of course you don't have to have consent to be touched by a police officer. That's not the way that our law works. Um, and in a lot of cases, it could honestly be quite dangerous, but that isn't one thing that we've covered on the show is, you know, when people's personal autonomy is violated, how that can automatically initiate a trauma response. And again, that's why I always just, I just go back to the emotional regulation part of it because it's, it's not, as simple as, you know, not hitting somebody for kids that have only been displayed, you know, abuse as, as forms of love. Um, when I, when I read about, um, when I read, what is it all about love by bell hooks, I think that mm. I really was able to be transformed in my understanding of my own mm. abuse and trauma. And that is love and abuse cannot coexist. That's something I go back to all the time. And thankfully I have had, enough of a support system and enough of a tribe that I've had that reinforced. Some of these kids have never in their entire lives had that reinforced. And of course it leads to people being reactive when they're being touched. I can only wonder how many deaths could have been avoided had people known how to navigate that fight, flight, fawn, or freeze response with some more, um, I guess, like inner wisdom and more of a logical standpoint versus that really primal one. So I, I think this is a really interesting conversation that probably we won't be able to explore in depth today, but something I've not really thought about, Sam, until we had you on and, and the role of consent in policing. And like, I, again, I know it's not something that we can implement um, in a lot of instances, but who's to say that community policing or moving beyond policing, that this couldn't be a part of something that police integrate into, you know, certain circumstances. Thank you for mentioning bell hooks and also making the point of uh, that's not love, you uh -huh. know, because it is conflated as love for a lot of people. And um, that just, you've just reminded me to reinforce that message the semester as I enter back into the workforce. Thank you. Absolutely. Andrew, you got anything? Yeah, I wanted to echo something that Harmony said too about um, just the work that Sam and you, that you're doing specifically in the schools, working with younger kids. I think we talk a lot about um, some of the ways how I think um, BJ talks about there have been calls where people or obviously or had to go to um, certain houses because people can't communicate with the people who they live with. So being able to control impulses and not being able to hit someone after getting into an argument. Um, so I think the age that you're talking to, to students and kids at is a very malleable age. It's, it's, it's where they learn these things to be able to not do those things in the future. So I think the work that you're doing is commendable and, and very, very important. Thank you. Uh, I also, when you, you said that, Andrew, the, first thing that came to my mind was, um, you know, toxic masculinity. And I know this phrase is a little dated, but if I can use that construct, like, you know, these young boys have already been inculcated in this kind of masculinity and I hear it from them all the time. So, you know, violence becomes a way of um, signaling their high, their, the hierarchy or whatever um, within their peer groups and um, they they have already learned that anger is the only emotion they have access to. They've already learned that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you too. I think just to quick 
um, caveat of what you said as well, too. I think sometimes that toxic masculinity trait bleeds into some officers who actually work um, in the field as well, too. And I think that can be a dangerous trait that we also see specifically with dealing with police brutality um, and even not even going that far as saying police brutality, but day to day interactions that police officers have and then them, them not being able to compute, um, I guess, and understand how to deal with the mental trauma that goes on with working in the like working in the police department just in general, um, because they weren't taught how to handle those emotions. They just kind of build it down and say, it's okay. And I'm, I have to be a man in order to prove myself and to understand these emotions don't matter. Yeah, because vulnerability is seen as a sign of weakness and um, it is killing people. I agree. Every yeah. single day, um, silence is killing people. Um, I think that this would be a good point to kind of bring back to the mental health thing. I know that we do it every so often, but as we're having this conversation, I couldn't help but think of um, the young lady. She was Miss USA 2019 um, that committed suicide. Literally silence is killing us. Mm. Uh, depression has the uh, ability to be um, a breath taker, a voice taker, um, a life taker, as we've seen. Um, and I think it's so important that we re- remind each other and ourselves of the importance of of not being silent, especially when you need help and especially when you're feeling vulnerable, because that's what we're meant to do for each other. We're not meant to exist in silos. Um, so that was just important for me to um, reiterate. And also, I don't know, to just let people know that you're not alone. There's so many people um, that are dealing with things that they've never talked about, or they may be in the depths of their own healing. And I'm sure, you know, looking at you, Sam, I'm sure a lot of people don't think, oh, he's a trauma survivor actively working through um, his trauma and reprocessing. I'm sure people often think the same thing about me. Um, And for me, it's important to bring back to the, to the forefront that we're all human. Um, Mental health is something that we all have um, and that you, you are worthy and lovable and okay, just as you are. This reminds me, if I may, I'm, wor- I'm currently working on a personal project that's called Why Live? And it's a series of conversations with people who have struggled with mental health or have been suicidal or have been through just dark nights of the soul, really difficult places uh, about how they got through it um, and even thrived, even, you know, managed to get through it and survive and thrive. And it, you know, posits this question of why I live. And um, I just think it's really important that we give platforms to people who have struggled with depression and who have struggled with mental health. And uh, yeah, which is, again, getting back to the silencing of people, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so Sam, can we go back to, I mean, I know. <laughs> Please. No, no, no. I, know, I like your conversation. Sorry, B. Uh, uh, I want to go back to the EMD and she put it in the, in the, in the chat, but po- folks are not going to see that. So can you just kind of talk about what the EMD is? Is eye movement desensitized, something like that? I mean, can you kind of elaborate on that? And also just kind of go into what you're talking about. You were just talking about the kids, you know, their anger kind of the masculinity gives them a hierarchy in, in, in that relationship. But also mm-hmm. as you do the work in the schools, I, I just kind of like to hear how, if you could tell that that's probably at home, that that, yeah. that that masculinity or how that that's how they see it being played out at home. That that's the way I'm supposed to. Can you? So the EMD, you're looking at these kids <laughs> and then back. You know the work that you do because it, it's coming from somebody is is they're seeing somebody do that. Yes. And, and it, yes. it says yes to them. So if you can kind of talk about that a little bit. 
Well, I think they're seeing not only their family or their parents do it, um, but, you know, it comes from sports figures. It comes from media. There's an overwhelming ideology of um, that toxic masculinity. And, um, you know, I think particularly, I mean, I can't speak to obviously to the black experience, but I, I think there's just been an, a historical movement to silence black men and to reduce them to, um, you know, to, to, to take their vulnerability away, to take their humanity away, uh, which is just soul crushing. Um, anyway, I'm getting off track probably, but. No, 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 that's fine. No, I mean, I want you to speak your truth, man. I mean, you're, clearly you're passionate. And we, that's what we want, we want you to do. So no, I, I just wanted to make sure people understood what EMD was because you, oh, you use the letters and I want to make sure folks understand, sure. articulate that because they won't see the chat. Yeah. EMDR is um, eye movement, rapid uh, or desensitization. You got it. Reprocessing. You got it. You had it. Why Yay. is it so long? <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, it's taking someone, um, it's almost a hypnotic sort of experience where a therapist will take you to those places of deep trauma and kind of reprogram you. Uh, they use uh, the perhaps they'll they'll take their fingers or a pen and go back and forth. And um, your, your eyes have to follow this movement while you're thinking of these traumatic events. And um, there's some kind of uh, reprogramming that happens, some kind of n- neurological thing that happens, phenomenon that and I found it to be um, incredibly helpful it's been a real gift to me because I've, I've gone to talk therapy and, you know, all kinds of therapy. And this is the first thing that's really made a dent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, Harmony's going to want to, she wants me to remind her to do the cultural shift, but I want to go back to the anger. And mm-hmm. uh, when you were talking about it, it kind of goes along with an uh, alternative to violence project that I mentioned to you and, and folks want to take a look at that on my website. Uh, and it's called Transforming Power. Mm. And, and that basically is that you said it, but the way they say it is that we all have that within us. you you know, that little moment where we can shift as to how we're going to resolve this issue. And and preferably that power is just to, to resolve it non-violently. Right. Conflict. So it's like, it's a transform transformation that we have internally because it's in us to be peaceful. We just need the lights in us to do that. And it takes practice. It takes practice. You have to do that. And I also would just like, because for me growing up, I had to go to counseling because I didn't know how to argue. My parents didn't argue in front. I, I can probably without the thumb count how many times I've heard my parents argue. So I did not have a place to understand arguing doesn't mean my relationship is going to end because they never argued in front of me. So for me, anger represents ending relationships, so to speak. So I never was able to, I I, I never knew how to be angry. I didn't know what to do with that because I didn't know how to articulate being angry because it just, it came out wrong the whole time. It came out violently, you know, never hit anybody, but, you know, few glasses and lamps were broken. Um, so, so just not having the example of, of how to argue as well, I think is, is important as well. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of examples of healthy um, adults 
adulthood. And I, <laughs> I mean, right. yeah. Right. And I think, you know, kids, um, people have children historically very young and, uh, you know, it's just, we're not formed emotionally sometimes in our twenties or teens. So yeah, I just, I just feel for these kids because as you say, they're getting um, from the home. Maybe they're not being, they're not mirroring, they're mirroring bad behavior or, or uh, repressive behavior. And at school, maybe they're not allowed to express themselves in ways that they need to. And yeah, it's just endless. I don't know what I really can do. I mean, I just do my best. It's, it's an uphill battle though, because things like toxic masculinity, um, which I believe is at the heart of domestic violence and sexual assault is uh, endemic. And, you know, everybody's impacted by it. And it's just a narrative that we all believe, whether we want to or not. Women and men and, and um, all genders act as if it is some kind of truth, you know, that men are this way and women are that way. Yes, patriarchy is dangerous for us all. Amen. So, so how do how does that work when you go into the school system? I mean, um, obviously, you're welcome. Does does everybody say we want Sam to come in and do this for our kids? I mean, is it something that people are clamoring at in the city of Durham to have you come in to to provide this kind of work in the schools? Are you popular like that? The teachers do, yeah. And you know what? A lot of a lot of the kids really get a lot out of it. I'm so moved by the response that I get from a lot of the kids. They're really into it. They want to hear about themselves. They want to hear about relationships and sex and love and and their feelings, you know. They want to hear about themselves. So that they they really appreciate. I use a lot of examples of um stories. So I'll tell a story about two teens and, and, you know, do a whole like little acting out scenario. And so they can connect with that. They don't want to hear me talking, but but to give them examples of, of their peers and what they might go through in these stories, that's something that they can grab onto. And I have a secret weapon, which is swag. I give them presents. <laughs> well, you know, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do, bro. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so how, how long is it? I mean, how, how long are you going to, do you just go to one school for a period of time or do you go to several schools? So how long, is there like a, the sessions go for this long? I mean, what, what does that look like? Well, it depends on the curriculum. There's one curriculum that I generally teach, which is about six sessions and that's uh, safe dates. Um, it's a um, an evidence based curriculum, so it's um, it's and it's pretty smart and thoughtful. I throw in things a, a little more about consent and about uh, things like sexting, um, you know, te- technological abuse than is in the curriculum because I think it's critical right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Harmony, what, what is this with the cultural shift? <laughs> uh, what I was going to say is I, I know a lot of times when we're having these conversations, we're talking about police reform and defunding the police and really thinking about how we can re, I guess, like reconstruct um, our police departments. But one piece that I don't feel like that we touch on as much that's been brought up in this conversation is just how overwhelmingly present the patriarchy is 
and how it continues to impact each and every one of our lives every single day. And we're not talking about the cultural shift that needs to happen because it's one thing for a system to change, but in order for a system to change and for it to be sustainable, and I think also for it to grow and fully encompass what the community wants, there has to be a cultural shift. Um, in my opinion, there's a large level of cognitive dissonance between, you know, there, there are us, these people that are like, no, patriarchy is bad. We don't want to continue on with these lies fed to us by, by people that I guess are like, I don't know, are not even parts of our lives as the truth. Um, and now I think for the first time really ever in our history, we have the opportunity to talk about things in a way that we didn't have the opportunity to like even think about, I don't know, 50 years ago, it would be foreign that you BJ an openly gay woman and a white man, Sam and a biracial woman myself would be able to even come in and have these conversations. Um, and so I guess I just wonder what else needs to be done from the community standpoint to kind of foster that cultural shift that needs to happen in order for us to really live lives that are, I guess, on par with what we say that we value. Like I, for one, I'm like, oh, the patriarchy, I hate the patriarchy, but I'm not going to lie and say that I don't fall into um, gender stereotypes um, or that I don't believe some of these lies that I've been told because that's, again, it would be a lie. Um, I'm very much still ingrained in this, even though from a conscious level, I know that I want to be disengaged. So I, I don't know if any of us have the answer to that today, but that's what's got me thinking, like, what, what do we need to do in order to foster a cultural shift? And are there things that we could do as individuals to, to help, I guess, I don't know, be little catalysts as we can in our own personal lives? I, I want to mention a group that's doing some really good work, and it's called A Call to Men. I was telling BJ about this group. Um, they are uh, a, a nonprofit that is about em, um, empowering and elevating black women. So it's- uh, oh, I'm all about that. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to retrain men is what they're trying to do. That's awesome. They're, yeah, yeah. It's really about that toxic masculinity, trying to retrain men. And um, they're doing some amazing work. That's so exciting. Yeah, I've gotten a couple of emails this month that said that February was Teen Awareness Dating Month, which I did not know. Yes. Um, and I've been watching this show on Discovery Plus called Web of Lies that really talks about a lot of teen violence, like interpersonal violence um, that teenagers do to each other using the internet. Um, and I guess, I mean, I'm not, I'm only 26 years old, so I definitely dated on the internet. Um, I've probably unfortunately sent a sext or five. Um, thankfully, I never had to deal with any of the repercussions of that stuff happening, but this is still so new to us all anyway. So it's, it's really, I think, important and interesting that teachers and I don't even know, like our public school system is allowing you to come in and really talk about those different things. As far as parents that would like to consider talking about consent and teaching that to their children a little bit earlier on, what are some suggestions um, as far as resources would you have for them? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, off the top of my head, I don't, I can't think of any books or anything like that, but if they're local, I would say call me and contact me. Um, I would love to put something together for younger people. Awesome. 
Andrew, Andrew, you got anything? Now that I could think of, I think some of the things that you were mentioning just kind of brought me back to like things that I would see usually in high school or in um, the latter part of my middle school years and seeing like pamphlets on domestic violence and things that they were offering resources. Um, But other than like, other than the pamphlets that no one touched because they always stayed full, um, I don't think that they were they weren't doing what you were doing, the work that you were doing specifically on the groundwork, doing um, what needs to be done. Because I think even if you don't experience it, it's important to be aware of it. And so that you know what to do um, and how to get those resources to be, um, to get the help that you need, or even to be able to tell someone else about the help that they can get. Thank you. And I think people are shocked sometimes that I go to middle school, but um, these kids, it starts in middle school. They know. They know. Yeah. Um, I think it's something like one out of every four um, black girl has experienced assault. One out of every four at that age. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's a tragedy. Wow. So just because of the over sexualization of black women in general and specifically black girls and this narrative that they don't need to be protected. So I wish that you could start earlier. I mean, in my opinion, middle school sounds a bit late to be talking about consent. And I mean, obviously you hope parents are having these conversations with their kids. I I think it's a part of being an emotionally regulated human being is understanding that you have the power to say no. And Mm. when you in your power to say no, you also respect other people's power to say no. Absolutely. Unfortunately, there's a lot of, you know, there's there's pushback from both the school and parents that I'm even going into middle schools. Wow. Yeah, sure. You know, people don't want people to come in and talk about sex. They just don't. Mm-hmm. As if like, uh, it's not happening. La, la, la. You know, <laughs> haven't we seen that already? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of interesting that we're still kind of having that. I don't, we don't want y'all talking about sex conversation. I, that's just... Um... I mean, I, I get it, and I'm not. I, I don't think I should be. You said I don't want to talk about it either. Yeah, I, yeah. Come on, y'all. I mean, and you're talking about elementary school. You know, some of these kids are. You know, they they doing stuff that I. You know, mm-hmm. never think about doing. Um, so we need. Uh, it's just anyway. So. I was going to say I wanted to add something, but I think Sam was probably going to add to this as well, too. But kids these days are getting older at the younger age. So it's like I think it's probably you can blame technology and things that they see and the impact that media has on the things that they digest mentally throughout the day. Um, but I think that's why it's so important to start um, at the young age because of the things that they are have easy access to. Um, and you'd be surprised. Like I watched my, how old is he, two-year-old godson, knowing exactly what to tap on an iPad, exactly in what order, and know what he has to search up at two and a half years old. So just seeing how able they're able to, to pick up certain things, I know that the curriculum that you're teaching is necessary. So say you know, or a lot of people don't talk about it. Like I know that we were earlier talking about like just like the implications of sexting. When I was in middle schools, like 2006, 2007, nobody talked about it. The first time I heard people talking about like sending nudes was when they were like, yeah, if you send nudes, like you could be a registered sex offender. And that scared the living crap out of me. So I didn't do it, but it wasn't, it wasn't from a place of empowerment of like, oh, okay, like why should I not do this? Or what are the risks other than you could be a sex offender? And I was like, oh my God, like this is really scary. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that people have this, this, 
the resource in you, somebody that's going to be honest and, and present to them kind of all different sides of, of what an action's consequence can be. Um, because I wonder if I would have made different choices. Not thank God, thank God. I've been so fortunate. None of those, none of those um, decisions have implicated me for the long term. Thank God. But unfortunately, a lot of people cannot say the same thing. And I mean, I don't know that my life would have been necessarily different. But for so many people, I wonder how much different it could have been had they just been able to have these conversations, just as we were talking about with the sergeant from the last episode, we have to be willing to have the hard conversations. Mm -hmm. um, And we also have to be willing to sit with the hard and uncomfortable feelings. And that's what I love about the work that you're doing, Sam. It seems like you're not, you're not into sugarcoating or explaining away these negative feelings. Instead, you're giving people permission, probably for the first time in their lives to really feel all of their feelings saying that the feeling itself is not bad or negative, but how you, I guess, maybe express it could be. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> we do, we all do our best. I also like to t- teach them that jealousy is natural. Like a lot of people experience jealousy uh, because these kids you know, they think that getting a barrage of texts is a sign of love. Like they don't know that that's, you know, th- there's codependence, there's lack of boundaries, that um, it's stalking, you know, stalking feels like romance when you're, you know, 12. So you've got to, we've got to educate everybody on that level too. So how do we get you? How, how does a school, when somebody's uh, folks are listening to this, how, how, how do What's the work to get you into a school? I mean, what does that look like? It looks like contacting me. Um, get me at Sam at DurhamCrisisResponse.org. Um, I'm happy to go wherever. I live for it. So, yeah, please contact me. Sam many, Peterson. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do it again. Sam Peterson at DCRC. And uh, you can catch me at my um, phone number, 919-909-6077. So please contact me. How many schools are you in currently? Um, Right now I'm in three, uh, but it varies because um, I'm teaching these curriculums in three schools, but a lot of schools, I just do like a one-off. I'll come and do a presentation, for instance, on... um, sexting or technology or campus violence or things like that. So I'm in a variety of schools at all times. So, you know, it's always, the ex- I don't want to say, but it's always the, we've got so much to jam into a day for the students. So we can't add one more thing that may be beneficial to them. I mean, I've gotten that, you know, based from my business, you know, so mm-hmm. there's, there's just not enough hours, you know, we love what you do, but don't, you know, because they're, you know, they're trying to get stuff done. They got to get testing done. They got to make sure. So where are you in, in the day of, of a student? I mean, when do you come in? How, how, do they, how are they getting you in to get access to the kids? Or where are they jamming you in? I won't call them, maybe not jamming you in, but what, what's the space that they're able to provide for you to come in and get these sessions done? Typically, it's during health class. Oh, okay. That yeah. Makes that makes yeah. sense. Okay. It, it, yeah. Pretty natural fit. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, I have a question before I forget. I'm so sorry, BJ, and I'm gonna shut up. This is the last thing I have to ask. Um, If you could give us, because I know it would be hard for us to really, I guess, help you fulfill your mission of 
educating as many kids as possible if we're not educators ourselves. So I was thinking about how can we help you do the work? Um, and this question came to mind. If you could give us one piece of advice to give the young people in our lives uh, about navigating toxic relationships um, and interpersonal violence, what would that be? Well, this is going to sound cliche, but I always say start with yourself. Um, examine yourself for biases. We all have them. Um, where are where am I iterating those messages? Because we all do it. You know, where where am I sharing these messages and and of of you know gender uh, nonsense or whatever? Um, and then I think. You know this. It's just important to listen to kids where they're at and and really listen. Uh, I don't have some magic nugget to share that's going to change anybody's life, but I think what I've learned is to just be quiet and listen. Um, they they know a lot more than I do about what they need. That's for sure. Yes, that's I probably not that. helpful. <laughs> no, that's so helpful. It is um, because I I think that one thing that adults do researchers do, doctors do, people in power tend to do, um, is we tend to not uh, value people as the experts of their own story. Um, and in doing that, we miss a lot of that inherent wisdom that sometimes people just need to hear repeated in a different way. Um, I find that a lot of my answers that I'm looking for and searching for are literally the exact things that I'm saying. I just needed somebody to repeat it back to me a little bit differently. Um, so that, that's really powerful regarding people as the own narrators and experts of their own story, period, full stop, no ands, no buts. And that's a hard thing to do. It's, a, it's giving up control and admitting that even at, as a person in a position of power and as an educator, that you don't have all the answers. Andrew, you got anything? Not that I can think of. I think this is very helpful and it kind of helped me understand my biases and what I can do in my position. I'm not a parent as well too, but I know that I do interact with students. Um, so understanding about what things to listen for as well too. Um, I, didn't, I wanted to ask, um, what advice would you give for, how do I want to, because I ask and I listen too hard sometimes, I forget my question, but I wanted to ask, what advice would you give for people who I guess work with kids or work with students on a, um, on an occasional basis um, to, to what to listen for specifically um, in regard to being able to know what triggers um, that they're experiencing certain crises. Mm, yeah. Kids will let you know. Um, I, gosh, I wish I had a way of explaining this. Um, kids will let you know if they've been abused. I think you have to let your guard down and be, able to receive the cues that they're giving because we want to block that stuff. We don't want to know that, you know, it's too horrible sometimes to appreciate that kids are going through sexual assault and sexual violence at home. Uh, so I, I have learned to be really open and listen hard for cues that something might not be up and, you know, something, something might be up at, at the home. I had a young girl that, you know, we took aside after class one day who, um, you know, we were concerned about because we could pick up just something was not right with this kid. And I wish I could identify what it was, but she seemed upset. You know, she seemed upset by the uh, information, which kids usually aren't. Um, and it turned out that she was terrified that her parents were going to be uh, deported, you know, which is an assault. But, you know, there was a real 
genuine fear there that I could at least be a supportive adult around. Right. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I appreciate you saying that because I did a presentation with, with at a school and that had a lot of um, kids who were in school knowing that the possibility of them going back home that ICE might have taken their parents while they were in school. You know, so yeah. they're, they're sitting in school trying to do what they can do, but they're just like, you know, I don't know whether dad and mom are going to be home because we're not here. You know, there's all this other stuff going on. So I appreciate, yeah, there's just kids today. It's just it's a lot going on more so than, you know, that we probably even are aware of. So anyway, this has been a really good conversation, Sam. Thank you so much for saying yes. This has been some good stuff. I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting you in real life at some point. Same, BJ. Same. Yeah. IRL. What? You can't yes. IRL. You can't say in real life. Like, that's too old. Come on. Aren't we talking about? Aren't we talking about technology right now? Yes. <laughs> I, I would love to meet you. So, so yeah. So, Sam, do you have anything you want to leave us with? Any any wisdom that you'd like to leave uh, you know, our guests with before we sign off? Um, just what I've said, you know, to check yourself. Uh, I know I have to do this all the time. Check myself for biases, and, and they're like ants in a sugar cupboard. You know, they just creep in. All of a sudden, they're there. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's all I know to do. Yeah. yeah. Check, check our own selves first, right? Mm-hmm. Check our own first. Guys, you got anything you want to say before we take an exit? Good. I think the last thing that I have to say, and I, I have this in the chat, this is why I love the conversations around consent, um, because they teach us to go back into our bodies and Sam, when you were saying earlier, you didn't, you weren't able to articulate what you recognized in her that indicated that something was going on, but our bodies can recognize trauma in other bodies. Um, And when we're teaching consent and when we're telling people to go back to their bodies, um, it teaches us to really honor the wisdom that our bodies hold. Um, One of my favorite quotes about trauma that really put into perspective kind of what you're dealing with when you're actively just trying to mitigate the effects of trauma is that what the mind doesn't remember, the body does. And the body holds so much wisdom that our conscious minds don't. Um, and so that was a really beautiful reminder, Sam, from you to, to really trust my instincts, trust my body. Um, and I think that that's something that we all can take away so that we can be a more safe place for kids as we're navigating these different spaces. Thank you. And if I can get your message into my curriculum, you know, if there's something I can share with the kids, what would that be? Um, I think for me personally, as someone that grew up, I mean, I, I think I was probably the last generation of kids that grew up with and without cell phones and computers and social media. Um, when you're consuming that much all of the time from different perspectives, it can really impact your, I guess, like your sense of self and kind of what you think that you are. And so I would say, to those kids that you are okay just as you are um, and that there's no shame in being authentically exactly who you are in this moment. Um, I wish that I would have known that. There were so many moments in childhood where I wish that I had a safe adult to reach out to or wish that I had a place to go for information or advice. Um, And I would have been able to do that if I had been able to overcome the shame that came with making certain decisions. Um, And now as an adult, knowing that I'm okay authentically, as I am right now in my body, this exact version of me, 
um, I experience a lot less shame. And because of that, I'm able to reach out for help. Um, I've been telling myself this all day. We're not meant to exist in silos um, and we need each other. Um, we're all just walking each other home. Um, but it's, you're okay as you are right now. You're okay. You're more than enough. And it does get better. I swear when I turned 13, I lost my mind. And then around 18, it's like I gradually got it back. I still haven't gotten it all back. Um, but it's, it's hard. It's hard. I would never wish being a teenager on anybody ever again. Uh uh. Thank you <laughs> so much, Harmony. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> BJ, is there something I can uh, integrate in my curriculum of your uh, platform here? You know, I don't, I'm not real sure. I think you just listening, I think is just listening to, to your, to yourself, you know, mm -hmm. just to echo what, what she just said, just be who you are in that moment. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I, I like the, I like what you're, you're doing, obviously. I think it's great, but yeah, the only thing that I would say is just, just listen, you know, be a part of the conversation, you know what I'm saying? Just, yeah, just be a part of the conversation, no matter how uncomfortable it may be. Just be okay. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, thank you all so much. It's been such a treat. Yeah, thank you for, for saying yes. And I, I got your, you sent me the thing about, you know, a call to men. I haven't reached out yet, but I, I do plan to. I may even invite them on because I, I really like that. Great. Yeah. So, Andrew, do you have anything? I know, you know, Harmony's been kind of, you know, doing her thing. Doing my thing. Oops. Yeah. So, if not, you got anything? I'm just going to... Uh, echo something that Harmony said that made me think actually I was going to say that exact something similar to what she was going to um, what she mentioned um, I think that sometimes in our society well not sometimes all the time I'm like plastered with the media that I take or um, intake throughout the day about how individualistic our society is and it trains our brains to think that we have to do everything by ourselves um, and cause I, I see a lot as I as I scroll TikTok and all the um, other channels that I search um, about this phrase that like says no one no one's coming to get you like you have to get yourself up in the morning do these things complete your dreams all these other things so it pushes this very I have to do it alone mentality on people of my age and older and younger as well too so um, I just wanted to say um, I understand how important self care um, is and I wanted to say I don't think that you can self care yourself to healing. Um, and I think that's very important that I had to realize myself um, and my friend, when I would go through things, as we all do as adults, um, have to understand that um, it's OK to reach out for help. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's beautiful. I love it. Thank you for saying that. Oh, thank you, Andrew. I appreciate that. Thanks, you all are Sam. amazing. Oh, thank you, Sam. You, you're good for our egos. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, everybody who's listening. And I hope you'll join us again. And Sam, thanks for being here. And shout out to my friends at Durham Crisis Response Center. I love you guys. It's a great organization. A lot of friends there. And I'm always going to support them in this community. So as always, stay safe. Stay well. Peace. <laughs>